Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out, right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. When you think of what defines Vegas, two things always are on the list. Great singers and boxing championships. On today's show, we discuss both. Up first, you'll meet one of America's finest singers, Steve Tyrell, who sings from the Great American Songbook and who, in fact, has been a major player in the American music industry for over 50 years. Later, you'll hear from America's finest boxing reporter, Jeffrey Sussman, who will tell you the fascinating story of the great Rocky Graziano, who was not only a great boxer, but later an important part of this country's pop culture. Finally, your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, talks about one of the most popular family activities in all of Vegas, mini-golf. When I fall in love, it will be forever. If you're a fan of the Great American Songbook, you know my next guest. His name is Steve Tyrell. He's one of the really great crooners out there. And if you're one of these people that love Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, some of that great music, but don't follow it anymore, you got to get a hold of uh, the music of Steve Tyrell. He's got a new album out. It's called A Song For You. It's number one on Billboard's traditional jazz album charts. Steve, do you find that Sometimes there's not a lot of people other than like you and uh, Michael Bublé and Harry Connick that do this because the music was just so well done by the Sinatras and those people that while people love that music, they're afraid to put their own uh, twist on it. Well, they're missing the whole point, if that's the case, because these songs, I mean, Sinatra didn't, wasn't the first one to do these songs. I, I Most of them. I, I, I always give Frank uh, credit for... I say rescuing the Great American Songbook. A lot of these songs were written in the 20s and the 30s, and then he comes along in the 50s and sings I Got You Under My Skin and makes it a standard forever. These songs are meant to be sung over and over again, and they will live forever as long as they find new messengers to carry the music. And I'm positive of that, of carrying these songs on. And, you know, what I mean is, like, Michael Buble brought it to a whole new audience. Yeah. They've never thought about these songs. When I when I sang these songs, it, it was a result of me singing The Way You Look Tonight in Father of the Bride. I grew up with, uh, with the, in the Brill Building with Burt Backrack and Dion Warwick and Hal David and, and Carol King and Jerry Goffin, you know, and... Uh, sang The Way You Look Tonight in Father the Bride by accident. That was the first standard I'd ever sung. What a great but, what a great <laughs> moment for us, too. I mean, and you had to love that, too, to see that all of a sudden reach a whole new generation of people. Absolutely. But then I started to learn from it, you know, that, that these songs are the only songs, I think they're America's greatest contribution to the arts. And as long as people keep singing them, they will live forever. They're timeless. 
I never thought about these because this was my parents' music. Right. <laughs> a good example of what I'm talking about is I grew up mostly when I got into bands. I loved the rhythm and blues singers of the early 60s. That was my time. You know, the Drifters and Ray Charles and, and, you know, Aretha Franklin. And yeah. Jerry, all those kind of people. And uh, a good example of what I'm talking about is, my, but I'm Italian. So my, my family, my mother and father, loved the standards. Played Nat King Cole. They played Frank. They played Dean. They played Mario Lanza. Mostly the Italian singers in my house. And probably right. Frank ruled, you know. There <laughs> yep. was God and Frank Sinatra, but not necessarily in that order in my house. <laughs> Well, it's the same. I grew yeah. up the same way with a, with an Italian family, and yeah, yeah, much like Joe DiMaggio, everybody loved as a baseball player. When it came to music, it was it was Frank and then Dean Martin. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And uh, but I heard when I heard Otis Redding do "Try a Little Tenderness" after for years I'd heard Frank Sinatra's beautiful version of that song. It hit me like, hey, this is the same song. It doesn't even sound yeah. like same song you know when Otis Redding sings it and uh, it's on my new album it's I don't know second or third track well, and, yeah, and, and it's great you do that, you know, because my daughter is a big rock fan. She loves music, and I p- put her in touch with your music, and we were listening, in fact, to the, the uh, Seriously Sinatra, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. car, and one of your songs came up, and she's like, wow, this is great stuff, because she knows, like, some of the stuff she loves now, this is the roots of it, the real roots of, of some of the great stuff that's even out now. Yeah, I mean, there's not many things that uh, that that can compete in in modern music of the Great American Songbook. I mean, see, the thing about the Great American Songbook, you can love 20 versions of the same song. Yeah. You can't do that, you can't do that with, a, you know, even with a Adele song. I mean, I, I think she's written good songs. I think Bruno Mars has. I think uh, Alicia Keys has. I think there's been, there's some good new artists that you're, daughter would relate to they're the ones that really write real songs but you're not going to want to you're not going to want to hear you know five versions of an Adele song right you want to hear her version you know in fact that's about it but you can love my version of the way you look tonight you could love uh Michael Bublé's version you could love uh Frank's version now, Adam Levine just recorded that song. He's a friend of mine. His parents are friends of mine. So, and, and matter of fact, they opened The Voice this year, their big hit show, with with them, if, you know, uh, in tuxedos being the Rat Pack. <laughs> That's you know? great, yeah. <laughs> so now Adam Levine and uh, and what's his uh, partner's name? I forgot, but he's a country guy. You know what I mean. Uh, right? Blake Shelton, yeah. Blake Shelton, that, you know. They woke. They were sung, sang "Fly Me to the Moon." Now there'll there'll be people that are fans of theirs that would have never heard "Fly Me to the Moon" in their life, you know, and they'll go, "Wow, that's great! I gotta get that," you know. You've loved jazz all your life. I mean, I you know, you do a show in Los Angeles, uh, you on radio. You, you, you've been a fan of this music for a long time, and you know, people need to know though your background. Uh, like you said, you started with R and B, and then you worked in the in the business. You know, in the uh, for you, yeah, yeah, I was a record producer and a promotion man. So talk and a little about some of the people you work with because I think it's really all, incredible. I worked with Carol King and Jerry Goffin. 
We had the, the they were the first people I met when I moved to New York. They had written "Will You Love Me Tomorrow" as their first hit for the Shirelles that were on our label, and uh, and then we had the Isley Brothers. Twist and Shout was on our label. We even had the Kingsmen. Louie Louie was on our label. Wow! And uh, I I brought my buddy when I got a job, B.J. Thomas, to Scepter, and I told the lady, you know, he's the best singer down in my hometown. Let me sign him, and they did. And we had uh, a whole string of hits. I'm someone so I could cry, but ultimately we ended up. Oh, well, let me back up for a second. And then we had Burt Backrack and Al David and Dion Warwick. So almost all of her records I worked on in one form or another, and became close with Hal David, especially in Burt Backrack. And when and when they got the movie, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I recommended that they use B.J. And they did, and that became uh, won the Oscar and became the, big, the the second biggest hit of the entire decade. <laughs> oh, it's a huge classic, and you think you can't think of that movie without thinking of that song and uh, Catherine Ross and Robert Redford on the bicycle right. and all that. You know, Paul right. Newman, rather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's become a standard. You know, that's a new standard, but it's a standard. It was written in 1969. So on this new album. That, that we're talking about, you know, I took songs from the Great American Songbook, you know, the, some that were written by the Gershwins, some that were written by Johnny Mercer, that what I normally do, but I added Leon Russell to the mix, and I added Van Morrison to the mix. I, I, I say in the latter notes that I don't think all the great songs stopped being written in the 70s. Right. There's people... You know, You Were Always On My Mind won the Grammy for the Song of the Year, country and pop. And that's that would be considered a standard nowadays. And, and um, you know, The Good Life, uh, Tony Bennett had done that, but I have a version of that on the album. When I Fall In Love, I'm singing with Judith Hill. You know her? She's oh, yeah. great. <laughs> and uh, a song for you, the title track, is uh, Leon Russell. Great Leon Russell song. So I mixed in a few... Joe Cocker, uh, his song, uh, You Are So Beautiful, is on the album. So I have a mix of the Great American Songbook, plus a few of these from the next generation in it, which are now, I call, the new standards. Back with more from jazz singer Steve Tyrell in just a moment. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi on the BizTalk Radio Network. I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week on the show. But Scott's got a lot more there. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? 
everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? (laughs) That is the case. (laughs) Yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. It's a must when you come to Las Vegas. VitalVegas.com. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, One more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? You've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. No fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Visit rxcutdiscounts.com. Angstrom Minerals represent a quantum leap in nutrition. Liquid minerals offer a more concentrated and quicker boost because they integrate into the body faster. Unlike that handful of pills you take every day, Angstrom Minerals bypass digestion and go directly to the cells. Try Angstrom Minerals for your body, your health, and your life. Register online and use your account to save 5% off your retail order every time you shop. Some restrictions apply. Please visit ElementalResearchInc.com. With all the talk of fake news today, it's getting harder to know who to trust. Thousands of websites, millions of opinions, even the mainstream media has gotten caught in dishonest reporting. Now, if you're looking for information you can trust, why don't you try westernfreepress.com. At Western Free Press, they let you know where they stand and you can judge for yourself. No fake news, no feigned objectivity, just straight news and strong opinion. That's westernfreepress.com. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Steve Tyrell, one of the great singers of the Great American Songbook. Steve has just released a new album, A Song for You. I want a Sunday kind of love. A love to last past Saturday night. And you know, I'll tell you another thing, too. For those of us that love romance, uh, you know, I can't think of a better album to put on. It's just fantastic. I mean, what was the stuff you listened to when, you know, in your early days, you know, romancing days? What did you listen to? We heard all the Sinatra stuff. And and even uh, when I was a kid, because my parents, you, you know, that was their music. But when I started listening to the Brill Building music 
and I, I listened to the Drifters. I listened to, uh, you know, Ray. Ray was a big influence on me, Georgia on my mind. You know, all the wonderful, and then he sang standards too. He, but, but Ray Charles, uh, Benny King, the, uh, Aretha, uh, Otis Redding, those were the people. I mean, Otis Redding's version of Trial of Tenderness is amazing. Yeah. It's the, it's the most famous version of it, really. And, uh, so on my album, I have it, I slowed it down a little bit and, I don't remember what I did, but I did my version of it, which is kind of a, a little bit of Frank and Otis put together. Oh, it's great. <laughs> those are those are my influences, you know. Well, the first time I heard you, uh, the, the immediate thing, and I, and I was fascinated to find out that you actually took your spot. I thought of Bobby Short. I go, this guy's great, and it reminded me of that from you mm-hmm. know seeing that. Was that always kind of a hero of yours? I know you know you uh, did some uh, after he passed on. You went and did some of the things at the Cafe Carlisle that he used. I'm to still do. doing them. I'm, I'm, only Bobby Short and me have sung at the Cafe Carlisle for 50 years. I took his spot when he died. They offered me that job for the holiday season. He never missed the holiday season for 30 years, and now I've been there 14 years. But actually, he was there 36 years, and uh, and and I played. I'll be there this, you know, summer. I mean, this, no, well, this winter, of course. Yeah. Uh, for six weeks, but then I'm playing us there in about a month uh, in the spring. Bobby used to do that every once in a while too. I'll be at the Carlisle on uh, April the 10th, I think, for uh, ten days or so. People come to see me in New York. From Sting came this year. Uh, Hillary Clinton came the first time she went anywhere really? after the election. She came to see me at the Carlisle. Well, that's something. I mean, you know what? Another thing about this album, though, and I think everybody should get it, a song for you. I like the fact that it's really one of those great albums. Like you say, you're mixing different things. I miss that. You know, in today's world of music, and you, of course, grew up putting these together. Now, the album isn't as important anymore. It's what you get on YouTube or, or the singles that people buy on yeah. iTunes and so forth. Is it fun yeah, to do no. that? Because there's, there's a whole concept to the album, right? I mean, you... all of my albums have been that way. I mean, I've always made an album, and I made. But Sinatra started that years ago. You know, within the wee small hours, he was the first one to make concept albums where all the songs related to one another. And his first one was in the wee small hours, and then he did uh, songs for swinging lovers, and then he had an idea to put some songs together. Uh, that that took his audience to different places, and uh, so he had Chicago and April in Paris, and you know uh, uh, Moonlight in Vermont. Yeah, and he, so he went to Sammy Kahn, who wrote so many songs for him. He said <clears throat> that was his third concept album. He said I have a concept, but I don't have a title. You think you guys could write me a song that gave a, my that included my concept in the song? And they went away. They went away and came back a couple of days later and said, "Well, what about this? Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away." And that's what they named that album. And that you know, so the idea of concept albums we really owe to Frank Frank Sinatra, you know. And the fact that the way the music business has gone today is not good for concept albums because nobody listens to the whole album at one time, you know. Yeah, you used to put it on in your house and it would play. I hope that you can do that with my albums. But uh, most of the time, people go online and buy one tune or two tunes. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you miss things. I mean, even for people that grew up in the rock era, well, Sgt. Pepper's wouldn't exist today. You know, it'd just be assorted singles and so forth uh, based on what the philosophy is in the the, uh, music industry today. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, Abbey Road is my favorite of those. I mean, everything worked together, and and, and it was was one of of my favorite sides of music is Abbey Road side, too, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to ask you one thing before we go about Las Vegas. This show's about Vegas. And, of course, when I think, you know, here in the studio, I woke up and I got a picture of the Rat Pack right above me. And I think of this music. uh, When you come to Vegas, when you play there, do you get kind of a special feeling in the sense that that that's kind of where I think some of that music was preserved? You know, once once it went on, it kind of stayed there. And, and, you know, it never went away from Las Vegas. Well, yeah, true. But you'll find, if you look into it, that it's, it's, it's had a renaissance <clears throat> with a lot of people. Willie Nelson, he's had uh, great standard records. And again, Michael Bublé. I produced three albums with Rod Stewart that were all number one. And he brought them to another kind of audience that were more our age, but never cared about standards, you yeah. know, and, uh, and won the, his only Grammy, singing standards. So many people have done it. They, they, they're, they're making a resurgence. And have been for the last twenty years or so, I think. Well, Steve, do you, Don't think, you think? Well, yeah, I do. And Steve, do you think that the reason, like, I like we use the Rod Stewart example, it's kind of like I've done everything, but this is like some of the Hall of Fame stuff. I want to see if I can do this because you know everybody knows it, and like you said, you can put your own style and so forth on these great songs. Well, that, that's what makes them great, and that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do. Anybody that goes and copies a Frank Sinatra arrangement and sings on it. To me, it's wasting their time. It's like, who would want to hear you sing a Frank Sinatra arrangement when he's already done it? Now, if you think of another way to do the, uh, you know, I got you under my skin, then that's what the songs are written for. Most of them are written for musicals and, 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 and other things. And I always give, <clears throat> excuse me, Frank credit for rescuing these songs and making them famous. They weren't written for a lot of the, you know, Cole Porter songs were written, you know, the Gershwin songs and the Jerome Kern songs that Frank made famous were written years before he sang them. The Way You Look Tonight was written in 1936. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the songs had to be you in 1924. Uh, but when, when, when Frank sang them, they became classics for all time, you know. Yeah, well, I remember watching the, you know, the way you look tonight. I remember the first time I saw it was in an old Fred Astaire movie, and that goes back to the '30s. Oh my God! You know, I, (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) And you know, people would come to me uh, after that movie, Father the Bride, and that song so prominent in that movie, and so many people bought the soundtrack album. And then when the Oscars came around, which just did last week, when when that song was out. My record was out. People would say, "Well, how come that didn't get nominated for the Oscar?" You know, it's in the movie and it's great. I said, "Because it already won the Oscar like forty years ago. It <laughs> <laughs> won the Oscar for Swing Time." And I can tell your audience, if you want to see something cool, go to my website or go go to YouTube and and write in Steve Tyrell, Fred Astaire, and Ginger Rogers, and somebody has put together me singing the way you look tonight with my big orchestra from Father of the Bride, but Fred and Stare and Ginger Rogers dancing to it How from cool. their original <laughs> movie. It's really cool. Yeah, that they is really cool. They them, them up together, you know. 
our final words with Steve Tyrell are coming up in a moment. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Steve and Manji. This is the BizTalk Radio Network. I need somebody just like you. The two tight ends are lined up as tight ends. Back goes Darrell to pass. He's looking for Smith, but instead goes down the middle. Chester, touchdown Raiders! That is the Oakland Raiders. No, not the Oakland Raiders of 2017, but the Oakland Raiders of 1972. And that's what we're talking about on a new feature called RaiderHistorian.com. You go there and we have every week... Different highlights from years of the past, including a look back at Al Davis, the owner, all the great games, the rivalries, the philosophy of the team, and so forth. It's a must as the Raiders head to Las Vegas in just another few years. If you're here in Las Vegas, you got to know that history. And if you're from Oakland and L.A., you'll want to relive that as well. RaiderHistorian.com Hey, everyone. You know, let's all stop what we're doing right now. And take a moment. That felt good, huh? Just like that, we had a nice, special sort of moment. Together. Of course, they don't all need to be quiet moments to be special. They could be loud moments, goofy moments, sporty moments, dorky moments. Moments where we talk or walk or just hang out. It doesn't really matter. They all count. Because every time dads like us take a moment like that to spend with our kids, well, it's pretty momentous. <laughs> Sounds like somebody agrees. So let's take a moment to make a moment. Today, call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? Are your prescription costs too high? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. The free RX Cut prescription discount card allows you to get significant discounts on either brand name or generic prescription medications, and it also works on meds with high copays. There are no fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Again, to get your free discount cards, visit rxcutdiscounts.com. You may get the free discount card either by U.S. mail, email, text, or simply print out the discount card online. It's just that easy. I know what you're thinking. Why would I need a voiceover production company? Well, does your company need a commercial for radio or television? Does your company need an entertaining and informative on-hold message? Are you looking to do an audiobook or web presentation? Then you need a voiceover production company. That's why thousands turn to the pros at Black Eagle Sound Design. Black Eagle Sound Design is home to some of the finest voice actors, producers, and engineers in the business. At Black Eagle Sound Design, you get Hall of Fame professionalism, royalty-free music, and a 100% buyout, meaning the commercials are yours to do with as you please. See website for details. Log on now to BESD.US and find out more. 
It's time you worked with the best, and Black Eagle Sound Design will be there with you and your project every step of the way, on time, on target, and at a price you can afford. I'm Adele Poole, one of the many talents you'll hear at Black Eagle Sound Design. Visit us at BESD.US. Black Eagle Sound Design, because the voice you choose matters. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We are chatting with Steve Tyrell, whose new album, A Song For You, is listed at number one on the Billboard Jazz Charts. Well, this album is great. You gotta get it. It's called A Song For You, Steve Tyrell. If you don't know who Steve is, go to YouTube, find out. Uh, You will love this, I I guarantee you. Steve, uh, in terms of, uh, you can get the album, I guess, anywhere. Let's tell them what your website is, and then uh, more importantly, where you're going to be touring in the next uh, few months. SteveTyrell.com is my website. And um, a lot of whatever you need to know is on that. You can also sign up for it and they email you when I'm going to be in your area. But right now I'm in Palm Beach. I just finished Los Angeles for two weeks. Uh, I'm going home and playing in Palm Desert next week, which is the McCallum Theater, which is a huge you know, 2,000-seat place. I've been playing for 18 years. And then from there, I'm going back to New York to play uh, at the Carlisle in the first week in April. And I don't remember after that. It's all on the website. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, fo- we'll follow you on the website. And as for me, I got to play in Christmas in New York. I'd love to see you at the Cafe Carlisle. So. <laughs> oh, it's a wonderful time of the year, I'll tell you. And, uh, you know, we're there for... Uh, Woody Allen plays where I play on Monday nights with his jazz band. And then I play from Tuesday to Saturday, and it's closed on Sunday, you know? We will visit that. Most importantly, we'll go out and get a song for you. Hey, Steve, thank you so much for being with us. Really enjoyed it today. My pleasure. My favorite song is the opening track, and it's an idea of what I'm talking about. Van Morrison's song, Somebody, Someone Like You, Make It All Worthwhile. It's one of the most romantic, beautiful songs ever. And it sits right there with with all the great classics. So if your audience gets a chance, I'd say go, go listen to that song. It's a modern version of a classic. Hey, thanks again. I'd love to have you on again sometime. That's really great. Well, and I do love know. your music. I, I, I appreciate your, you know, and I play Vegas, too. I'll be in there, but I don't really know what the dates are this year. But I play there every year, down at the Smith Center, usually. Thanks to the Vegas Golden Knights of the National Hockey League and the Raiders of the National Football League, it's apparent now that Las Vegas has become a big league town. But when it comes to boxing, Vegas has always been one of the biggest venues in the sport. The world of boxing is different than any other sport out there. It's worth two people going at it head-to-head. It, it can be very violent, obviously. You have two people beating each other up. And yet it's a world that's really spawned some great lives. So with us, we have the premier boxing writer out there, Jeffrey Sussman. The last time he was on, he had just written a book about Max Baer and Barney Ross, Jewish heroes of boxing. He's got another great book. This one's called Rocky Graziano, Fist, Fame, and Fortune. And Jeffrey, what a great surprise. You know, when I saw you were writing about Graziano, I remember him as a kid, not so much as boxing, but he was on, like, all the TV talk shows, and he was on comedies. A real likable guy, but as your story tells, his life didn't start out that way, did it? No, he started out in extreme poverty. He was born to a second-generation Italian-American family. His father, uh, Nick Barbella, was a failed middleweight boxer and an alcoholic, and the uh, Barbella family, that was a... Rocky's original name, Barbella, uh, uh, grew up 
in a poor neighborhood in Brooklyn, and they were so poor that when Rocky was only about six years old, they would send him out to steal coal uh, for the uh, apartment's pot-bellied stove just to keep them warm. And then they would also send him out to the beaches on Coney Island to dig up clams so the family would have something to eat. So he came from real dire poverty, and his father was also very abusive to him. So he, he emerged... Uh, from a life of, of really terrible circumstances. Well, and like you talked about uh, in your earlier book, we were talking about Max Baer and Barney Ross with the Jewish community there. This is the Italian community. I know the Irish community was this way. Boxing was really, at that time, one of the ways you could get out of this uh, really difficult American life. Absolutely. And, and Rocky was very fortunate because as a teenager, he was headed on a path to be a criminal. He uh, had his own gang. They mugged people. They... Uh, <clears throat> They stole things, and uh, uh, Rocky was drafted into the uh, army, and his family thought that would straighten him out, and in fact it didn't. He wound up uh, slugging a, uh, an officer, and when AWOL, as a result of that, uh, he was wanted by the military police, and a friend of his named Terry Young introduced him to a boxing manager named Irving Cohn, who took Rocky under his wing and trained Rocky. But because the military police were looking for him, he changed his name. He, he adopted the name of Rocky Graziano rather than using his original name, which was Thomas Rocco Barbella. However, the, the military police, after a while, did find him, and he was sentenced uh, to one year in prison at Leavenworth Barracks. And there he joined the boxing team, and he had a coach who really honed his boxing skills. And by the time he got out of Leavenworth, he went back to Stillman's gym, where he had met Irving Cohen, and Irving again took him under his wing and trained him to be a very successful boxer. And boxing became an outlet for all the anger that Rocky had felt growing up, being uh, abused by his father, by his older brother, and, and the natural anger that he felt about being so poor. Boxing became a terrific outlet for him. Back with more from Jeffrey Sussman, author of Rocky Graziano, This Fame and Fortune in a Moment. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, and, of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas, from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? <laughs> that is the case. <laughs> yeah. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach. You know, a lot of people may think this is all a bunch of psychobabble and that kind of thing. But in reality, this is stuff that on the surface may seem like we're going to explore our background. But actually, we're just getting really in touch with ourselves to see how we can be more successful. Is that what you try to do with people? It is. So I'm not so interested in what's happened in the past. What I'm looking for is where people are now, where they want to be, and coaching always takes place in the gap. So what are the things, where are the places where they're getting stopped that's in that gap? And then when we move through those, they end up having what they want, whatever their goal is for themselves. 
okay, we're all excited about it now. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about, about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Are you looking to save money on your prescription medications? Are your prescription costs too high? Are you paying out of pocket for your meds? Or is your copay too high? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, you've got to check out the RX Cut free prescription discount card. And getting your free discount card is easy. All you do is go to the website rxcutdiscounts.com. The free RX Cut prescription discount card allows you to get significant discounts on either brand name or generic prescription medications, and it also works on meds with high copays. There are no fees, no forms, no personal information needed, and the cards are active immediately. Discount cards are also good for the entire family, and they never expire. Again, to get your free discount cards, visit rxcutdiscounts.com. You may get the free discount card either by U.S. mail, email, text, or simply print out the discount card online. It's just that easy. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Jeffrey Sussman, author of the new book, Rocky Graziano, Fist, Fame, and Fortune. Well, exactly. And what's interesting is, and we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes, is his post-boxing career where you'd never know this guy had all this anger, but it was like a way of channeling it. And it was at a time, too, when boxing was kind of in its golden age, right? I mean, you had people like Sugar Ray Robinson. Uh, and He fought Tony Zale. And from what I understand, and you describe it in the book, one of the bloodiest, nastiest fights you could even imagine. Absolutely. It, it, it was considered the bloodiest middleweight fight of the 20th century. And uh, in, in the first uh, bout with Tony Zale, which Rocky lost, he actually came out of it looking uh, with, with very few marks on him, whereas Tony Zale had to go to the hospital. He looked so badly. During the second uh, fight, which Rocky won, at one point his left eye was so swollen it was swollen shut that his manager, a man named Whitey Bimstein, had to take a half dollar and cut open the, the swelling above his eye so that it would drain and he would be able to see out of his left eye because if he wasn't able to see out of it, he wouldn't have been able to win the fight because he couldn't see 
uh, Tony Zale coming at him from the left side otherwise. People remember the movie Raging Bull about Jake LaMotta, and as I read the this your story you realize that that wasn't fiction i mean you know it's a great story but there really was that kind of violence in there that we can't even imagine now i guess the rules have been so uh, you know clamped down but at that time those, those fights were bloodbaths and they basically went until you know somebody uh, somebody outlasted the other person exactly and and the, and the fight that uh, jake lamada had in in raging bull with uh, sugar ray robinson i think it was their fifth fight that uh, Jake LaMotta was so badly beaten, it was called the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It, it, it was extraordinary how violent that fight was. Yeah, so here comes this guy. He has this career, becomes a hero in the Italian-American community, much like Rocky Marciano, but in a different weight class. Big hero. He quits, and what an incredible career he has post-boxing. I mean, you just don't expect somebody who's so uh, connected with all this violence... When I remember him as a little kid, and I remember my parents talking about him and so forth, he's like a type of guy, like an uncle that would come over the house as kind of a great Italian guy to hang around for a while. And uh, Was it just a question of, you know, he appreciated what he had achieved through boxing and uh, it just changed his entire personality or what? It was a combination of things. First of all, he fell in love with a wonderful woman named Norma Unger, who he was completely devoted to and 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 she was to him they had a wonderful marriage secondly he was able to find a father substitute in irving Cohn, who looked out for rocky financially you know many managers stole from their fighters or or they didn't give them exactly what they were entitled to but irving made sure that rocky invested his money very carefully so that he would have an income uh, once he retired from boxing and at that point no one knew that rocky would have a successful career in show business after he retired from boxing. But by that time, his personality had so changed, it was, uh, he had gone 180 degrees from what he had been as a teenager, this angry guy <clears throat> ready to fight at the drop of a hat, to a guy who became one of the most generous and charming human beings you could ever hope to meet. Yeah, he had a really great wit, too, right? I mean, he was fun. I mean, he was on a lot of these talk shows and stuff. And then, of course, he had this great career with Martha Ray, who was a big star at the time, and it just was a good fit. It, it, it was interesting talking about his wit when he was interviewed on The Tonight Show one night. Uh, I, I think it was uh, Johnny Carson who asked him what he used to steal when he was a teenager, and Rocky said, I stole everything that began with an A, a refrigerator, a car, a radio, a bicycle. And, and, and then Johnny asked him, I, I heard that you uh, uh, quit school in the sixth grade. Why did you quit school at that time? And he said, I quit because of pneumonia. And Johnny asked, said to him, you had pneumonia? And Rocky said, no, I quit because I couldn't spell it. <laughs> So, so he had this wonderful yeah. uh, uh, sense of humor that just charmed people. And yet, you know, people thought he was sort of a dummy because he was a boxer. And, and what happened is a, is a man named Nat Hyken uh, was the creator and producer of the uh, Martha Ray show. Wasn't he the same guy that did Sergeant Bilko, the great Phil Silver's uh, yes. comedy? I, I, okay. Yes, he was. He, he, he was very uh, uh, prodigious. He, he produced a lot of uh, different successful TV shows, but the Martha Ray show was one of his first. And they were looking for someone to play Martha Ray's boyfriend. And 
Nat Hyken was meeting with another producer and the advertising agency that sponsored the show. And they were sitting around, and someone said, you know, we have to get someone who's kind of dumb, can't speak well, someone like Rocky Graziano. And then somebody else said, well, why don't we get Rocky? And Nat Hyken went down to Stillman's gym and offered Rocky this part. And Rocky said, sure. And he was so beloved and so did so well on the show that after only a few weeks, they doubled his salary. They were delighted to have him there. And he became a very close friend of Martha Ray, very supportive of her. And she had a lot of problems. She was an alcoholic. She'd been married six times. She, she was uh, illiterate. She couldn't read or write. And she was very embarrassed uh, that people might find this out about her. And then after she went off the show, uh, she suffered from terrible diabetes and had to have both of her legs amputated. And, 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 and throughout all of this, Rocky remained a steadfast friend to her, feeling that she had given him a second career, and he was very grateful to her for that. You know, the guy comes across through your book as just a wonderful guy. You're rooting for him as you go along through this thing. And I'm thinking in today's world of boxing, of course, it's completely different than back in the, in the golden era, you know, back in the 50s and so forth. The only person I could think of that maybe was a little like that was George Foreman, where, you know, he was such a mean guy at one point, and somewhere along the line, his persona changed. Uh, do you see, you don't see much more of that, though, right? I mean, it's, it's just not something, it's not the ticket out that it once was. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and it, it's amazing to, to uh, know that during the late 1940s and the early 1950s, the two most popular Italian-Americans in the United States were Frank Sinatra and Rocky Graziano. Oh. And, and, and when Rocky's autobiography, Somebody Up There Likes Me, was published, it became the number one bestseller, not only in the United States, but stayed on the bestseller list in Italy for almost an entire year. Now, and he was a real hero to the Italian-American community. I mean, the one thing I... I loved about this book was the same thing that I really loved about the book about Max Baer and Barney Ross. You can see how important these guys were to their respective ethnic communities. I mean, you know, and sports, I guess, is just a way where really people coming over to America, coming with nothing. When you see a guy like a Joe DiMaggio or Rocky Graziano or something, it means a lot to an Italian person the same way like Barney Ross and, uh, you know, Max Baer was for the Jewish community. That, that's absolutely true. And, and what's also interesting is, is these men had absolutely no prejudice against any other ethnic or religious group. Um, uh, it, what was interesting about all three is that they all three married outside their own religion. Mm. And, you know, Max Baer married a, a, a Catholic woman. Barney Ross married a Protestant woman. And Rocky Graziano married a Jewish woman. Uh, they were just open to the world. They felt that the world had given them so much that they weren't blinded or hindered by any kind of social or economic or religious prejudice. And, and, and that was one of the things that made them so beloved by other people. We will continue our conversation with Jeffrey Sussman, the author of Rocky Graziano, Fists, Fame, and Fortune, next week. In the meantime, though, you can get the book at local bookstores everywhere, as well as on Amazon and Barnes & Noble online. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Manji. This is the BizTalk Radio Network. The world still is the same. 
you never change it as sure as the stars shine above well you'll know but it till somebody loves you so find yourself somebody to When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see. And there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week on the show. But Scott's got a lot more there. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? <laughs> that is the case. <laughs> yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. It's a must when you come to Las Vegas. VitalVegas.com. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. I'm here with Logan Reed, my own personal business coach that does so much more than just business. Logan, do you find that people come to you thinking about business and ended up leaving where it's really about their entire life? That's actually a great question because what I find is that people often come to me and ask, am I a business coach? Am I a career coach? Am I a life coach? And I say, I don't care what you call me because when you change any part of your life, so if we're talking about your career or your relationship, it's going to change everything. So when we make changes in one part, it touches every part of our life. So how do we get involved? How do we get more information about, about you and what you're doing? Sure. You can give me a call at 360-529-1848 or email me at logan at loganreadcoaching.com. And you could also check out my website if you want to learn more about me at loganreadcoaching.com. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Time now for another visit with your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. This is a place where mini golf is a different thing. You know, every town has them, but here, you know, there's a, there's a Kiss mini golf out or the Rio and stuff that's 
reporters, kind of like a Hall of Fame for Kiss, that kind of thing. But I see another one you wrote about, the Twilight Zone mini golf in Bally's. What do you think? Is that something people should see? <laughs> well, the Kiss mini golf is at the Rio. That's a huge challenge. If that thing is in existence and successful, then I think people want to play mini golf. The one at Bally's is very cool themed. Uh, these are uh, kind of blacklight mini golf courses. And the Twilight Zone theme, I don't know if it really is going to resonate with younger people, but it's cool. It's blacklight, it's creepy. And the main selling point for me is it is such a good value. It is a family friendly attraction. If you play blackjack and you lose $100 in 15 minutes, that's a hard sell. But you go in here, it's eight or 10 bucks for 18 holes of golf. You could, the whole family could go. You could hang, go hang with your friends, a bachelor party, whatever you want to do. It's just a really good value. It's an alternative to the other kinds of entertainment. There's no bar in there. There's no gambling in there. There's actually a little mini bowling alley, which is fun, but the, for the most part, it's uh, kind of in this uh, pedestrian uh, area down below as you're going to the sports book between the casino and the sports book. I'd say seek it out, pop your head in, they'll let you go in and take pictures whether you're playing or not. I think it's it's just a fun diversion. I, again, I don't think you're going to see them cropping up everywhere, but they have a uh, very specific kind of thing they do. They theme it out. Uh, they collaborate with either a band or TV show or whatever it is. There, there are actually quite a few of these uh, um, places kind of franchised. And this, as far as I know, is the only Twilight Zone one. So if you're a fan of the show, you got to see it. You'll immediately, uh, if you're of a certain age, you will immediately recognize the, the, um, the artwork as coming from certain episodes of the series. If you don't know anything about it, it's still fun. It's still mini golf. Well, that's it for this weekend. Join us again next week when you'll meet sports finance expert Steve Wiseman, who will discuss both the success of the Vegas Golden Knights and the gamble of the Raiders in Las Vegas. Thanks for listening. This is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Beaver.